Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hi. We actually are not on the road this week. We are home, which has been really nice. Boy, I'll say it's been wonderfully nice. we got to go on the road in a couple of days to Detroit to meet with a lovely group of parents, but we can enjoy staying home for a while. Linda, did you hear that ad? If you if you listeners are on live, there it was it wasn't an ad. It was something about an obsession with power washing. Do you think you have an obsession with with regular washing? Yes, I was going to say <laughs> just leave the power off, <laughs> and I'd be just fine. Oh my goodness, we've had a lot of fun in our house this week with lots of people. We had a big a lot of cleanup. A lot of cleanup. Big dinner group one night and then talking about life in full with our friends and a book club and then last night a big baby shower because our daughter from London is here which is great and all of her siblings are converging on Salt Lake City and Park City to get a glimpse of this new baby by the way I just have to say before we leave the subject Linda that you listeners should know Linda is a I was going to say a neatness freak but that's sort of derogatory I should say a wonderful cleanly person and order <laughs> matters to Linda and so when I get up in the night to go to the bathroom when I come back she's made my side of the bed oh that's not <laughs> true that's an old joke that's not true well it's sort of true well you know what it makes me realize is that um, people can change because I used to be the slob of the world. Oh you my did? gosh! And I, and did I, I used to be neat? Did I used to be neat? I've never remember. known that. Oh, okay. No. Oh. Um, but it really is fun really? to think is that about. Right? Oh my word! Our roommates just used to berate my roommate and I in college. Oh, I wish I'd known you. Our room then. was a disaster. Oh my! What what was it that uh, turned the tide for you? I mean, we're off on a little tangent here, but it may be useful to people. No, uh, kids. I think kids. Oh, and having my own house and all that. So you kids. Know. When the kids were messy, that forced you to abandon your former messy habits. I think that's right. Hmm. Anyway. Well, I want to apologize to some of you regular listeners. Not really apologize, but explain because back on July 16th, we did a show called "The Joy of a New Baby." So this show today is actually the joy of a new baby, too, Roman numeral two, and we're going to explore it from a little different perspective. You'll have to excuse us. We've got this new little beautiful red-headed grandson named Moses, born in London and visiting us this week, and we just can't really think about anything else. So if we tried to do a different subject, Linda, we'd probably just have long, awkward silences. <laughs> probably. Oh, new babies are the best, but they're also the hardest. They're, it's so hard to keep up with a schedule on a new baby. Wow. I hope there's some new moms listening out there and some new dads because I see such a wonderful pattern. You know, you see, you see the anticipation and... You imagine so many good things, and you probably don't imagine, at least not with a lot of realism, how hard it is to have a new little person. I mean, they got to learn to eat. they got to learn to sleep. That second one's a tough one. they got to learn to keep their food down once they do eat it. they got a lot to learn, these little guys. And you're kind of along for the ride. And uh, I'll tell you what, if you're a grandparent like we are, 
that's the best because you get all the joy and none of the uh, late night anguish or the late night. Uh, well, I mean, we could go on and on, right, Linda? Right. Well, it's just so hard to figure out, and it's just once you're a mom, you're a mom forever, or a dad. Once you're a dad, you're a dad forever, and it never changes. That your life completely switches around. When I was in London with Charity and Ian. Uh, just before this baby arrived, every day I kept saying, enjoy this day because you can just do what you need to do and get done what you need to do and all that because it's never going to happen again. <laughs> and Well, not never because now, you know, when we're we're past the kids uh, growing up and leaving home and so on, but still, it's, they're still there and they're still needy and they're still loving and it's totally a different world. Well, if everyone could have a Grammy like you people would probably have more babies because when one of our kids has a baby, Linda is there, and she's not only there, she's fixing food, she's running errands, she's taking the baby, she's getting up at night with the baby, and the good mom just has kind of a little reprieve. And wow. uh, maybe maybe, maybe that would, and, you know, we're, we're uh, one of the things we're worried about in our latest book is population decline in a lot of developing countries. Maybe if there were more Grammys like you, people oh, would have more babies. The, I'm the one that has the fun on that. And wow, where this was number 28. He was our equalizer. We have 14 boys and 14 girls. And, and sometimes I get to go to the in-laws' births, depending on where the other mother happens to be at that moment. And sometimes I wait for a week and go later. But it really is my greatest joy. It's so fun to do that. And we can see it kind of coming to an end, honey. Not too many more. Maybe well, yeah, we're hoping more. for a few more. But, you know, <laughs> I wanted to say, too, Linda, you know, it's a, it's a – as much as we travel and in so many different cultures, one thing that is sort of a common thread anywhere you go, the arrival of a new baby is a cause for celebration. And it's it's celebrated very differently in different parts of the world, but it's it's a cause for family gathering. And in some parts of the world, it's even more magnificent, I think, than what we're used to. People come from all over, and, and it becomes almost like a festival to welcome this new child. It's that way in parts of Africa. It's that way in right. parts of Asia. And, and and what's great in Asia, large parts of Asia, is the two people being honored at the birth of a new uh, baby are, first of all, the baby himself or herself, and secondly, the grandparents or the great-grandparents, whoever's the oldest person in that household, the sort of patriarch and the newcomer are the two guests of honor. And it's we fun. always think that's a good idea. Now, of course. Since we're course usually the is. oldest ones there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm smiling at myself because we've really only been home for four days. Um, we have been on the road this week. And speaking of family gathering, we all, not all, but three families gathered in New York City this week because um, we went out, we have a son who, and daughter-in-law and two little children that lived there, and then uh, Charity, our youngest, and Ian with the baby came from London, and we met in New York, and then Sadie, who lives in Boston, brought her four kids down, and so we had a mini family reunion this week, just and, celebrating this baby. Yeah, what was the attraction? Little Moses, and now now we're doing the same thing here. We have our oldest daughter, our second oldest daughter, our oldest son, so we've got a group of four of our kids 
And it's the same thing. It's like these little babies are magnets. Well, and also, we on the way home from New York, we just slipped by Texas because um, we had a baby blessing there in um, the daddy's homeland with his parents and siblings, and that was really fun, too. This baby has properly been celebrated. And in fact, we had a big baby shower last night and we're having another one this afternoon. We're a little bit crazy. We are. Do you, do you think we're overdoing it, Linda? Or do you think maybe we're just realizing there won't be too many more of these. We better really, really celebrate. I know. We had a friend yesterday who visited an old friend from Utah State and his wife. And um, they came, they're a delightful couple and so on. They have two children, but one of their children has decided not to have children. And the other has one little boy. So he's our age, but they have one little grandchild. And I'm sure there's some people out there listening who are in the same boat. And they are so over the moon about this child. He is so adorable. He's one. one I'm glad you made that point because it's not the quantity. I mean, it's not how many grandkids you've got or how many children you've got. It's that every one is so unique. In fact, someone asked me at a recent speech, they said, do you... With such a big family, do you find that your your excitement and your love for each one is a little bit diluted just because there's so many, and how can you spread it so far? And I, got, I thought about that afterwards, and I thought, isn't it interesting that love, especially love for children, love for your own posterity, love for your grandkids, is not it, it's it defies the laws of physics. It doesn't diminish as there are more of them. It actually grows. I guess it's like certain other things. It's like love. When you give it away, you you end up with more of it. And and I think whether you have one child or whether you have several, that unique feeling that each one brings is just it's so exciting. And I want to let me. Uh, you're you're about to say something, and then I want to delve in, into the more spiritual aspect of this. Well, maybe this will segue into that because, you know, we ha- also had another interesting experience this week when. Um, while we were gone, I got a call from my sister who said that my cousin's wife had passed away. And this is kind of startling because he's our age to start out with, maybe a couple years older. But his his wife, and you mentioned earlier, you know, you realize that you don't know how many more you're going to have, how many more children you're going to have. You also don't remember, you don't realize how many more days you're going right, to have because right. his wife... Uh, he's in the stake presidency, and they'd gone to a meeting at the church uh, with all the wives, the bishops and their wives in this stake. And then they moved to the cultural hall, and she gave, oh, no, actually, she, in this chapel, she gave this beautiful speech to the wives, explaining, you know, the hard things and the great things and the great joy and all that. And then they moved to the cultural hall, and she just leaned her head over and died at the table. And no warning. No, no warning. No absolutely, brain aneurysm, just absolutely gone in a minute. And it was absolutely stunning. And I just went up to a graveside service because they live in Las Vegas, but they brought her up to Bear Lake for a graveside service. And when I saw that, she, they had one child, and this one child daughter had two beautiful children there. And I just thought, wow, this is so amazing. You just never know then, you know, if you're going to live the next day. Well, that actually is a great segue. Let me introduce what we want to get a little more into in the second half of the show. Again, drawing on on this uh, fortunate travel experience we've had over the last decades of where we've been in a lot of different places, 
Oh, that was Siri trying to talk to me. Sorry if you heard that. But as we've traveled, we've 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 found an amazing thing. Most people, when you really get talking to them, not only believe in some form of life after death, they actually believe in some form of life before birth. Now, they may not have institutionalized that or seen it in their faith, but they just sort of sense that it's true. And you, and you hear a lot of talk these days about old souls and the idea that so often when you're with a young baby, a brand new newborn, you get this eerie feeling that this is an old soul, that this is an entity, a personality, a being, an essence, a, a life that is actually older than you or that's very, that you know, that comes from another place. And this is a universal feeling, believe me. This is not something, LDS people, of course, that's part of our religion, that there is a pre-life existence as well as an afterlife existence. But even those who have no trace of that within their religion or their faith or their belief structure religiously seem to have this sense this little infant did not spring into existence right here. We're going to explore that a little bit more. And we're also going to bring on this new daddy who's now been awake in the night for eight weeks, and we're going to see how he feels about this wonderful experience. Oh, good. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. So hang around. We'll, We'll be right back after this short break. Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Well, we're back. Uh, should we have our guest now, Linda, or should we delve into the spiritual? I'm actually on. Ian, you're on. Let me introduce Ian Wright, our wonderful son-in-law, the one who made our youngest daughter's life complete. How's that for an introduction, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good, as always. So tell us your feelings as a new dad. Some of us remember that first time, and it's, in fact, it's frankly hard to forget. Yeah, no, I mean, it's pretty amazing. I think uh, to, some people are really, really excited to be parents, and I think I was excited to be a parent, but I don't, uh, to be honest, I've not always been that interested in babies. Yeah. And I didn't really think that, I thought it would take me a while to become, I could become interested in our son when he was born. <laughs> and I was completely wrong. Well, you were kind of a guy who, you liked kids, you liked toddlers, you liked little kids, but babies maybe not so much, or they maybe intimidated you a little or something. Yeah, exactly. And I, well, I think it's, it's just this idea that they don't necessarily have that much expression or do that many things or can communicate too much with you. And so I thought, oh, we'll have a baby, but... Until he's two years old, I don't know that I'll be that interested. And I, <laughs> boy, I, were you wrong! I was completely wrong. So now I, it, it's just the, the neatest feeling. I think my my favorite is probably either seeing him with his mom or those times in the middle of the night when, you know, she I, I get to calm him down a little bit and nothing else in the world is going on as I'm just able to be with him one on one. Well, let me just say to you listeners, this is an active, this is a proactive dad. In fact, I. I think if we could do a count of uh, who's changed the diaper the most often, you might actually win out over charity. Yeah, that that that's definitely when I'm around. You know, I don't know how much she she she's left solo when I'm at work. So you know that that brings it 
it's hard to catch up on that one. But. She brings her total up a little bit. For a time when you're both there, you might be in the in the driver's seat. But uh, I had the fun experience. I hadn't seen you with you. I hadn't seen little Moses until you got to New York the other day. And, and obviously my first impression was what a cute baby. But my second impression, I haven't told you this, Ian, my second impression was, wow, Ian is stricken. He, Ian is smitten by this baby. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Love at first sight, right? Completely. Don't you think that happens to a lot of dads too? I mean, it's you get and, and you, you know, you've had little brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews. You're used to kids. You're really good with kids. But I, I, I've seen some people. Some dads are just scared to death. They don't even want to hold a little. It's like they think the baby's fragile. I don't even know how to hold it. But then when it's their own child, it's like a magical transformation. Yeah. No, I think we have some friends actually that um, both dads and moms um, that some of them were kind of in a similar boat and just thought, I don't, I just don't know if I'll be really excited about this parenting thing. And then now the baby's here, they are so excited about it and yeah. completely <laughs> love it. And have you ever met one that didn't think their particular baby had to be the most incredibly cute child ever born on the planet Earth? <laughs> no, never. They're just they're just all wrong because it's ours. Yeah, and and some of those babies, frankly, and they're they're kind of uh, they they look like Mr. Magoo, you know? They're, they're kind of they're kind of homely. But this little Moses, I mean, can you imagine how he could be that cute? Yeah, no. It was uh, that that was actually a fear I had was. You know, if if I don't think I'm going to be interested in the kid that much for the first couple of years, which I was wrong about, and then secondly, is am I going to get an ugly kid? <laughs> you know, not much chance with you being so handsome and our daughter, of course, being this gorgeous woman, right? Well, that's the critical one. That's the second of those two. <laughs> well, any other parting shots, and then we'll get Linda back on for the spiritual content here. Not that you couldn't offer some. No, I don't think so. I mean, it, it's just been. A really great adventure and just love it more than had expected. Okay, there you have it, folks. The testimonial of a brand new dad. We appreciate you, Ian. Okay, he just hand I'm just handing off the baby to Ian. Oh, then you're charged up. You're you're really you you've got the glow from right. holding the little guy. But let me right. let me just see what you have to say about this, Linda. I I started before the break. Um you know, there's a there's a couple of books that are selling well. One I think is called Old Souls, New Souls, and and this so you know there's this feeling that no one tells you or that you don't necessarily read in some canonized doctrine. I mean, almost all people of faith believe in a life after this one, but this idea of a life before is really a natural sort of feeling, and people sense it. Sometimes we just I mean, things like deja vu, right? You just meet someone or you're in a situation that's so familiar. And that happens a lot of times with with, uh, with small children. It's like you feel like you've met them before. But whether it's that kind of feeling or whether it's just staring into a newborn's eyes or whether it's watching a personality develop or whether it's having two or more children and and saying, well, these two have the same environment, the same heredity, the same nurture, the same nature. Why are they so completely different? Was there a personality already formed? Did they come from another place? Is this an old soul? And at least it occurs as a question 
to a lot of people. And I, I just want to say I think it's a healthy thing because, you know, if you're a parent and you view a brand-new baby as sort of your possession or, or even worse, your creation, hey, we created this baby together, you know, we did this, this is our creation, that, that, you know, that's kind of an awesome feeling, but it's also uh, perhaps a worrisome feeling because you have a possession, you can sort of do with it what you want, it's yours, you own it, but if you think of a baby as a brother or a sister or as a soul from another place or as a child of, of a heavenly parent or of God, wow, that that changes the perspective, and I think it adds to the respect I mean, it, it is. That's the, that's the interesting thing. Here's a little infant who can who can do nothing for him him or herself, and yet we find ourselves not only loving them but respecting them and and realizing this is a a person. This is a unique entity. This this being deserves me to respect. And some people even have this crazy sort of jarring feeling of, wow, if this if this soul had come 30 years before me, I could be the helpless infant, and this baby could be my parent. And I and I owe a certain respect, a certain care, a certain stewardship, because I happened to come to this earth first. Boy, I, I sure agree with that. And going back to your comment earlier about how amazing it is that you can have a lot of children in one family, or even just two children in one family, that are so different. I mean, we know about genetics and how genetics combine together, but it's more than that. It's a soul that is just that comes with that little baby when they're born into the world. And honestly, it is pretty amazing. We have kids whose personalities are so different. I mean, there are some similarities, of course, but to think that they were raised in the same house with the same parents, with the same rules, the same stuff, and that they all handled it in a different way as they grew up or all internalized it in a different way. It's just absolutely amazing. It's mind-blowing. A lot of you know the old joke about the kid who comes home from school with a really bad report card and hands it to his dad, and his dad's looking at it and getting red in the face, and before he can say anything, the, the young boy says, I know, Dad, what do you think it was, environment or heredity? I know. That always kills you. <laughs> but, but, I mean, the point I'm making, of course, is that there's more than environment and heredity. There's a third factor. And people recognize that all over the world. Now, when we're in India, it's a very different tack, of course. People are saying, well, of course it's an old soul. It's been to earth many times. This 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 baby was once another life form or, or may come back again as a different life form, multiple lives. And that's one way to look at it, which sort of stretches eternity so that it runs both forward and backward. But I think the more common view among people around the world who, who just think about it and just look at a baby and just wonder about it is is a much simpler thought. It's just that this little infant didn't start right now. It came from another place or it came from afar, and there's a sense of an old soul. So I I just love that feeling. I think it makes us better parents. Well, and in a way, I I remember uh, education week once I was teaching a class and it just suddenly occurred to me that 
you know, I don't know how much difference I really have made in a child's life because they are, they come who they are. They come who they are. And, of course, it makes a difference um, if you... You hone them. You, parameters yeah. and so on. But yeah. it really is pretty amazing because that when they are when they are delivered into the world, they have their soul and they are who they are. It's just... So fast. Well, that's why the old, you know, the thing you hear sometimes a child is a lump of clay and parents are the sculptors. That just doesn't make much sense to a lot of parents, including me and you. I mean, it's not, these are not lumps of clay. A better metaphor would be they're little seedlings. You've been to a plant nursery and you look in there and all the plants look kind of the same when they're just sprouting out of the ground. But you better not try to make that little currant bush into a, an oak tree or vice versa. I mean, they are who they are. But and, and, and the thing that's powerful about that concerning parenting, you better nurture that little seedling according to what that seedling really is. Right, and what that seedling really needs. And, and I've always laughed because, you know, sometimes you get apples, sometimes you get oranges, sometimes you get lemons. And, you know, you got to add a lot of sugar to those lemons to make it uh, work. But it really is true that they just come who they are. Some people, and I like this, this sort of notion that, that parenting is a process of discovery. And, and the, biggest, the biggest goal is not to sort of make this child fit some preset mold that you've determined for them. Rather, just the opposite, to watch and learn and listen and, and really try to empathize and see who is this? I, it's almost like we have this little infant. We're saying, who are you really? Where did you come from? What is your nature? What's your personality? What are your gifts? What are your problems? What are the things I need to know about you? And I can't base it on your brother or your sister. I have to get to know you. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. that the best parents are the ones who explore and think and analyze who is this child and what does he or she need. Absolutely. And that is the biggest challenge of parenting. When people talk to me, they say, how do you make time for each child as an individual? How do you do that? And actually, you don't. When you have nine children, there's a lot of stuff they have to figure out themselves. But it is really crucial that you are thinking all the time, this child thinks differently. We have a child who um, had some learning disabilities or some extrasensory learning abilities is what it turned out to be yeah, because yeah, he was, was so right-brained, so visionary that it just gives me chills thinking about it. He was so amazing. He, he could not learn to read until about the seventh grade. He was not reading well. And now he is our, he's just figured out he's an auditory learner. And he is our best-read child by far, don't you think? Yeah, well, with that, thank goodness for audiobooks. But you figured that out about him. And we just got about a minute left. And I hope you, I, all we wanted to do today is stimulate some thought on your part about babies, about a pre-Earth life. But I did want to go out just by mentioning off the top, um, we are getting so excited about a thing we're going to be doing up in Heber, Utah, Heber City, we're going to be the guest lecturers many times a year for seminars on life in full, and, and it'll be largely family-oriented at a Swiss resort called Zermatt, which means a lot to us since one of our sons now lives near Zermatt, Switzerland. But I just wanted to mention it because I just came from there, and, and the guy who runs it, who's become our good friend, Peter Rancy, also turns out Linda to be a great tennis player. 
And so I wanted to say hello to Peter, who's listening today. And we want to say to all of you, we love being with you once each week. And Linda, give us a nice goodbye, and we'll see him next week. We'll see you next week. We'll be back on the road, and we'll be happy to talk. Thanks for listening in. See you next time. Bye-bye. 